the Lord. If you're not familiar with me, uh, I'm Pastor Mitchum. I am the lead pastor here, and you have come on a good Sunday. I say that every Sunday, but I believe it every Sunday, so that's why I say it. Uh, This is week three of a sermon series that I have been uh, involved in. Uh, It's only going to be four weeks, so next week we'll end this sermon series. And the, the series is called The Anatomy of a Lie. And some of you may be wondering, especially if you're new around here, Pastor, why would you spend four weeks talking about something as simple as a lie? Well, that's the reason I need to spend four weeks on it. There's nothing simple about it. Not only that, it's, it's, it's so hidden, most of us don't understand how complex lies are. We usually operate under lies for so long that they become such a part of our living that we don't recognize them when they're right in our face. As a matter of fact, from the Garden of Eden, Satan began his attack against humanity, trying to destroy humankind by one primary weapon, a lie. He never fired a gun. He didn't use modern warfare. He started his attack against humanity with a lie. And I'm convinced that lies are the biggest issue in the world today. And it doesn't matter if you're in politics or the PTA or inside the church. I believe that we have bought into the lies of the enemy so hard and so undercover and covertly that we are living with terrible consequences trying to quote scripture but can't get loose because we have bought the enemy's lies. And I'm going to tell you now that it's going to be uncomfortable in here both this Sunday and next week. Your neighbor is going to get really offended at me. Not you, but the person beside you. Before I'm finished with these next two sermons, I'm going to strike a nerve with the person you're sitting beside. You're going to have to be there to comfort them. They may need you to help blow their nose, dry their tears, hold their hand, hug their neck, however you can get through this together. But I promise you that the Lord will provide. Amen. I am so convinced that these sermons are necessary that I took... Last week, this week, and next week, and at the end of each sermon, we are participating in communion because I'm believing that curses are going to be broken. I'm believing that deliverances are going to come. I'm believing that souls are going to be set free. You say, Pastor, I'm already saved. I didn't ask you if you'd said a prayer or joined a church or got baptized in water because I'm going to show you this morning how you can be totally in love with Jesus and totally under a delusion. And have absolutely no idea why you can't get loose and why you can't be happy and why you can't be prosperous and why you can't be free. Because you have bought a lie. So we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper uh, communion. Uh, The ushers will be in each section. Uh, We also have, uh, by request, gluten-free communion this morning. So so Glenn will be in the back somewhere and we have one container of gluten-free. Listen, those wafers are dry and nasty anyway. I can't imagine... I don't know what gluten is, but if you take the gluten out of it, I don't know what it's going to taste like. I will not attest to that. They look like crackers to me. But anyway, if you have a gluten allergy and you can't, and usually you can't, we've got you hooked up this morning. I went to Kroger's and found some gluten-free communion crackers. 
So we're going to pray before I start. We don't always do this, but I feel the need to do this because I need you to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to pray for me. I hope you already did that. I've already prayed for you. But I'm going to ask you to pray for you. Because I want this word to get inside of you. I want it to do a work in you. I want it to provide every answer to every question that you have. And I want most of all for healing and deliverance and wholeness to come. Do you want that for yourself this morning? So if you want that for yourself, you're going to pray for you. You're not going to pray for your neighbor. You're not going to pray for me. You're not going to pray for uh, the wars going on around the world. You're going to pray specifically for yourself. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. It could be as simple as, Lord, change me. I, I need this word. However you want a word, I'm going to pray over you. And as I do that, pray for yourself. Will you do that? Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, I come before your throne today. And I have already covered this service in prayer. I've already covered these, your people, in prayer. You brought today the people that need to hear this message. Every person that is here is not here by coincidence, but they are here by design, and they are here because they need to hear exactly what you want to say. So today, God, I'm praying that every stumbling block of offense be removed, that every hindering spirit be vanquished, and that everything that would cause anyone not to be able to hear what you are saying to them today, specifically, individually, I pray that it be cast down, I pray that it be trot asunder, and I pray that they be elevated to a place where their spirit and their soul is able to hear from heaven. And in Jesus' name, I pray over these, your people, amen and amen. So this morning's sermon is titled, How to Tell a Good Lie. Some of y'all are like, ooh, me, pick me. I, I. Some of y'all other ones are going like, you should be teaching this lesson you need to go tell pastor to sit down. You, I want to talk to you this morning about how to tell a good lie. Now, I'm going to warn you, uh, last week, if you're not familiar with me, I did the same thing this week. I, this is going to be like an old-fashioned Bible study. I'm going to wear your pen out this morning with Scripture. I, I'm not going to leave the pulpit much because I have to stay here and keep my eyes down because if I get looking at you, I get excited. I walk out from behind this desk. I may not make it back. So, see, you know me. <laughs> so I'm going to keep myself tethered to this desk a little bit, and, and, and this is going to be like an old-fashioned Bible study. I'm going to build what, what's known as precept upon precept, okay? And, and if you don't have time to find all the Scriptures through the Bible, write them down. Go back and check them out later, but they will be on the wall. And, and I'm going to ask if you would at this time to stand as I read my opening text. If you have an old-fashioned Bible and you'd like to turn there, my opening text this morning is out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Very known, very well known, very famous, if you will, passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is writing to his spiritual son, not his actual son, not his biological son, but his spiritual son, who was Timothy. And I want you, as, as I begin to read this text, I want you to stop me whenever you hear something that sounds like the day we live in. Okay? So 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days... There will be very difficult times. Already, right? Like already. It's, well, I mean, we're, we haven't even got into it good, and we're already there, right? Verse 2, for people will love only themselves and their money. <laughs> they will be boastful and proud. 
Stop. We can stop at every couple of words, right? Scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Stop. They will consider nothing sacred. Mm. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God, right? And verse 5 says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stop. Stay away. Now, I don't have time to preach that part, but it does not say go out to brunch with them. It does not say invite them over for football night. It says, this is not very kind, Paul. Not very fellowshipy, Paul. This doesn't sound inclusive, Paul. Stay away from people like that. I didn't write it. When you get the glory, I mean, if you make it, take it up with Paul. When you find these people, they're not your people. We're going to dig into that a little bit later. But the question I have is, all those times you said stop, all those times that we, we, they're going to be unloving and unforgiving and slander others, why in the last days, do you believe we're living in the last days? Why in the last days will people be like this? Why, what is going to happen on earth, on this globe, that is going to turn people so dark? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to dig into it in a little bit. But before you're seated, I want you to turn to three or four people and say, I am glad to see you today. Will you do that? You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. That, that didn't sound like a, a list of attributes that we should be seeking after, did it? Like worldly and nasty and hateful and loving money more than God and denying the power. That doesn't sound like a list of things we should be pursuing. As a matter of fact, shouldn't we have been getting better with time? Like, you would think that as we live more days, that we would be getting more like God. But this scripture says we get farther from him but what is it that makes humanity get so dark first I want to give you a little bit of history okay Paul wrote second Timothy from prison as he did a lot of his letters because Paul went to prison a lot if, if there ever was a Christian jailbird preacher it was the apostle Paul and, but Paul in second Timothy is at the very end of his life as a matter of fact this is his last letter Within a few months of him writing this letter, Paul is going to be beheaded because of his faith. He's going to be made a martyr because of his faith. Have you ever sent a text to somebody? I'm not talking to you people that still call people on the phone. But have you ever sent a text to somebody and realized after you sent it, like, I should have said this? And so you send another text to clarify what you didn't make plain the first time? Have you ever done that? You're trying to explain the first text with a second text? Well, this is Paul's second text. Okay, that, the reason I bring that up is because Paul has already wrote Timothy once. 
And he's already told Timothy why people are going to be so dark in the last days. I know you get, you get aggravated because sometimes you can't send a text message. When did we become so important? I mean, this ain't got nothing to do with my sermon. This is just me venting. You be my counselors for a minute. When did we get so important? I'm old enough to remember. I hate to sound like the old get-off-my-lawn guy. But I'm old enough to remember when you left the house and didn't have any way to communicate with the people back at the house. And you just went and did what you had to do and came back, and it was a mystery where you were at. And now we have gotten so important that we can't stop at a red light without firing off 14 text messages. People driving down the road, steering with their knees so they can text. Like, when did we become so important that we can't leave the house, we can't be out of communication for five minutes? And boy, you really get aggravated when you can't get your text out. Oh, the signal is terrible in this building. I hear it all the time. Pastor, the signal is terrible in this building. I said, you're looking for the wrong Wi-Fi. You're supposed to be plugged into the Holy Ghost when you're in this building. (laughs) Those of us that need it for what we're doing, we got the signal. I know when the rest of y'all are trying to get it. Yeah, you get aggravated about bad signal because your texts are not going through as fast as you want them to. But in Paul's day, texts took a long time. As a matter of fact, his first text to Timothy came a year before 2 Timothy. And since it seems like that we agree that we're in the last days, we're going to go back and look at 1 Timothy for a moment. In his first letter, Paul gave Timothy a shorter description of what the last days would look like. He said in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, catch this, don't miss anything I'm going to say today, some will turn away from the true faith, Why? Because they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. If we're in the last days, you just told me you believe we are, that's what's happening right now. I don't even have to dig into it. I don't have the time allowed me this morning to tell you how many churches are teaching following deceptive spirits and teachings of devils. It's happening at a breakneck pace, and it's coming from pulpits. And people, entire denominations, are turning away from, look what it says, in those last times, some will turn away from the true faith, and people are doing it by droves. Entire denominations are doing it because they have been following deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Verse 2 says, these people are hypocrites and what? What? Liars. Hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. So this is the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, telling him about the last days. And and he tells Timothy here, they're going to turn away from true faith, they're going to follow seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and because they follow seducing spirits, man, I wish I had time just to dig, I could do Eight weeks just on that. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And because they do that, look what it says. It will cause them to become liars. And because they become liars, look what it says. They won't have a conscience to know the difference between right and wrong. Is that happening? Does that sound like the world we live in today? 
These are the characteristics that cause them to become what we saw in 2 Timothy. Heartless, godless, prideful, and cruel people. When you say, how do people turn so... It's because they follow doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and they turn them into liars and hypocrites and they have no conscience. According to Paul's warnings, once a person no longer respects or fears or acknowledges the authority of God, they will give in to seducing spirits and they will become hypocrites and really, really, really good liars. Hmm. They can't express themselves. Listen to what he said. They can't express themselves without calling wicked things good and condemning good things as wicked. And the key to it all is because they have no conscience. Do you feel that tightening up in the room already? That's what I was warning you about. When your conscience loses its power... I know you think you're a good person. I appreciate you being here on Sunday morning. And I believe in the core, a lot of you are good people. But can I tell you that when your consciousness loses its power to stop you, you would be shocked at what you would do. When your conscience is no longer a voice screaming at you, don't do that. You would do things that you would never believe is even inside of you. When you look around at the world and you see atrocities and you say, how can somebody be so evil? It's because they have no conscience. And if you, and if Paul is right, you and I could do it. If we follow seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, our consciences could go away. And if we do that, we'll become liars and hypocrites. And man, you would be shocked at what you, what you would be truly capable of doing with no conscience. See, it's getting quiet in here. So it all begins with a good lie. What makes a good liar? Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So between Isaiah and Paul, we've been told that a time will come when folks are going to lie. They're going to be deceitful. They're going to follow after their carnal, wicked, evil things. But they won't call them carnal or wicked or evil. Listen to what Isaiah says. They'll call them good. And the things of God, the things of light, the things of truth, they'll call those things evil. They'll claim that the right things are wicked and the wrong things are right. Does that sound like the world you live in today? Paul also wrote in Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Pay attention to what Paul, Paul just gave a greeting, and now he says, this is God's mysterious plan, Christ himself. Look what he says, though. I want them to be encouraged and knit together with strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In 
Him. Who is Him? Jesus. In Jesus lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice what he just said. You need wisdom and knowledge that lies in Christ. Why? Why? Because of verse 4. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. That's a fancy way of saying being because they are really good liars. Listen, he says, I am telling you this. You, you need wisdom and knowledge which is found in Jesus. You better get it for yourself, Paul says. Because there are really good liars out there that will, look what it says, deceive you. He says, I don't want people to be able to pull you away from what you used to believe. You used to know that Jesus Christ was the Lord of all. You used to know that right was right and wrong was wrong. Evil was evil and good was good. You used to know that. But a really good liar, Paul says, can talk you out of that. And somebody in this room, you're already feeling the pressure. Like, did you tell pastor something this week? No, no, no. No, no, no. This sermon's been prepped for a while. This is the age that we're living in. This is the spiritual attack that the church finds itself under today because we have arrived at a place in this world, let's just say it, in America, where the things of God, where the things that have always been the standard of morality are being mocked, scorned, called bigotry because we say right is right and wrong is wrong. Because we say that the word matters more than feelings. We're called bigots and laughed at. Why? Because people are good at lying. And sometimes just because they have reverend in the front of their name, never mind, I don't even go there. I won't even go there. Look, look, look at what Paul goes on to say in verse 6. And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. Wow. You see that? Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you. Oh, are you hearing the strong warnings Paul has here? With empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Paul just did a whole lot of preaching right there. You could take that scripture home and chew on that for a while. He says, you have known Jesus as your Lord, but that's not enough to resist the lies. He said, you've accepted Jesus, you follow Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but that's not enough to keep you from believing lies. He says, you have to continue to follow Him and get rooted in Him. Notice this. Notice what he says. He says, if you don't, these liars will take you captive. You want to talk about being uh, in war and being taken captive by the enemy? Some of us are captives sitting in this room this morning and we don't even know it. Because we are under a strong delusion. He says you have to not just love Jesus, not just believe in Jesus, but get rooted in Him. And He says, if you don't, 
The liar will take you captive. So is it possible for me to be saved and still be in deceit? Absolutely it is. Is it possible for me to love Jesus and still not be benefiting from his word because I've believed a lie instead of his word? Absolutely it is. He says, people will lie to you with high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. Now, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of the time that I have with you talking about. What is human thinking? When Paul says high-sounding nonsense, usually they have something after their name like PhD. Or MDIV. High-sounding nonsense. Look, based on human thinking. What is human thinking? Human thinking is what you want to be true. What you desire to be true. That's human thinking. So he says when these people start spouting high-sounding nonsense, and sometimes it comes across pulpits, and sometimes it's on your favorite Christian radio station or your favorite Christian broadcast, when they start spouting high-sounding nonsense, sometimes it's in the world, sometimes it's from college dorms and college professors, and sometimes it's in the workplace. When they have high-sounding nonsense, it comes from human thinking. And human thinking, that's why God said, your thoughts are lower than my thoughts. He said, my thoughts are always higher than your thoughts. My ways are above your ways. You will never understand me. That's why you just need to take me at my word instead of you trying to minimize what I said by what you can understand. But make no mistake about it, the world is full of high-sounding nonsense by people who are trying to convince a generation that you are smarter than God. And that's what Paul was warning Timothy about. See, lying to other people is easy. But once somebody gets good at lying, they can lie to themselves. Uh See, once you get, once how to tell a really good lie, you can tell you're a good liar when you can make yourself believe a mess. Uh, And that's what we're going to look at today. See, if you want to tell a really good lie, you've got to know that the person you are lying to, whether it's your neighbor or yourself, if you, want to be a, if you want to tell a real whopper, like if you, if you want to tell a really good lie, what you first have to do is figure out that the person that you are lying to has an elemental desire to believe what you're saying. Well, look here, ma'am. You can take this vacuum cleaner and this spot remover, and you can wipe out every spot in your... It's only $74.99, but how much would you pay to have every spot in your house removed? Well, I have had some spots in my carpet that nothing else worked on. Yeah, and that's not going to work either. But you want to believe it's going to work. You want to believe, fella, that you turned 50 and that Z28 Camaro is going to make you look good to the ladies. You want to believe that. So that slick salesman knows when you pull onto the lot... Here comes sucker money bags. I mean, hello, sir, how are you today? Because <laughs> he knows exactly what he has got. Because a good liar knows that the person he's lying to, whether it's somebody else or themselves, they want to believe that thing. In other words, if you're going to tell a real good lie, you have to tell people what they want to hear, what they want to be true. And believe it or not, even if people are saved and in church, if they don't get rooted... They will want things they shouldn't have. 
They will desire carnal, fleshly things that are not true. They are not godly. They are not good. But a lie will convince them otherwise. Oh, it's quiet in here. So what is a lie? A lie is something. It's only taken me two and a half sermons to get to the definition of a lie. I'm doing good. What is a lie? Something said that is untrue with the intent to deceive. In other words, it is an intentional violation of the truth. It's, it's an intent. You don't accidentally lie. I, 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 obviously, there are times that you have said false things and didn't mean to lie. I, that's not a lie. That's a mistake. Like I, like I have said, you know, turn on this next exit. <laughs> I wasn't lying. I thought I was right. <laughs> That I don't have to apologize for that. Like, I, I didn't deceive you intentionally. But that's what a lie is. See, the, the way that you can tell the difference between truth and a lie is truth exists by itself. Lies have to be invented. Lies have to be made up. Truth will exist whether you even speak it. The truth is truth. And it's the truth whether you believe it or whether you don't. Whether you agree with it or whether you don't. The truth will stand alone. But a lie has to be manufactured. And I'm going to give you an uncomfortable truth. Are you ready? Are you ready? Your flesh, this meat suit you carry around, it loves the way you lie. Oh, not me, Pastor. I am so holy. Why do you think she keeps bringing the same guy home on the Facebook in a relationship? It's complicated. Single. It's complicated in a relationship. It's complicated single. It's the same guy. He came from another part of town, had a different haircut, but it's the same dude over and over and over again. Why? Because she loves the way her flesh lies. That guy had a line that you could, you could hang a week's washing on it. And she loved every word. It sounded like sweet nothings coming across his lips. Why do we like lies so much? Why do, why do we enjoy being lied to? I'm going to tell you why. Because you will tolerate lies as long as you are living carnally. It's the only one I'm going to get today. That's the only one. Your natural man is selfish in nature and wants his desires met. I've got a list up here I'm going to show you. Here's what your, here's what your carnal man wants. He wants the easiest way with the least resistance. He wants the cheapest way with the least amount of sacrifice. And he wants the quickest way with the most shortcuts. That's what your carnal flesh, and if you're going to feed the flesh, this is what you're going to chase after. And you are willing to bypass your brain to satisfy the flesh. Your brain has logic and common sense and wise counsel and you don't care about none of that because he's got abs. You could care less about logic. I can't afford it. Does not register up here when that salesman has you sitting in that leather bucket seat. It never crosses your mind that they're going to send a payment book. It doesn't. You, that fine Italian leather that they draped across that steering wheel, that wasn't by accident. That's a bait for a sucker. And they just caught one. You'll bypass logic. 
all the common sense your mom and daddy tried to beat into you when you was a child. You will bypass all of that. But there's dangers in believing lies. Number one, and this is big in our generation, it gives you a skewed sense of reality. There's something called confirmation bias. You may or may not understand what it means, but it means I have a worldview of how things are, and I seek truths that prove that I'm right. Instead of going into a situation open-minded, willing to be proven wrong, I'm just seeking words that you say that prove me right. If I I divided this congregation into Fox News and CNN News, I would tell each one of you the reason you watch that is because you're seeking confirmation on what you already believe. Those people are reporting what itching ears want to hear. And so when you come to church and a pastor stands in the pulpit flat-footed, opens his Bible and says, Thus saith the Lord, and you don't like what the Lord thus saith, Because it doesn't match your lifestyle. It doesn't match your decisions, your choices, your lusts. You will find a liar that will tell you that that preacher is wrong or that word is wrong or that church is wrong because you want to believe a lie. That's confirmation bias. The second thing that is dangerous about believing lies is it promotes wrong choices. Once Your conscience is gone. You will do things you said you would never do. There's an old saying, I've I've kicked it around for years. Sin always takes you farther than you plan to go, costs you more than you wanted to pay, and keeps you longer than you intended to stay. And and you say, how did I get here? Because you had no conscience toward it anymore. You, you, You believe the doctrine of devil and a seducing spirit and you yourself became the liar. You say, well, that person on the internet lied to me. No, 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 no. They just fed you what you wanted to hear. You lied to yourself. You lied to yourself. The third thing is, now, now, now you have taken two dastardly steps in the wrong direction and the third thing is, now you got to deal with the painful consequences. You made this choice. You're the only one that's going to be able to get you out of it. Hmm. We've been doing a lot of John chapter 8. If you've been here for this series, we've been talking a lot about John chapter 8. Jesus is having a conversation with some Jews that have believed on him. They're saved. Say yes. He's not talking to the prostitutes. He's not down at the bar. He's talking to believers. And in John 8, 31, he says, To the Jews who had believed him. See, they're saved. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... Week one, I, I, I ended on this, this very topic. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jump down to verse 39. They said, Abraham is our father, they answered. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. What Jesus was arguing with them about was that they believed something sincerely, but they were sincerely wrong. Listen, your beliefs can be built on truth, or your beliefs can be built on lies. 
And that's why you've got to, listen to what Jesus said, if you hold to my truth, that's the truth that will set you free. A lot of you are holding to beliefs, but you have not held to the truth. Y'all are not going to help me. But what if I told you that one time I pulled into the Dollar General on Pennsylvania Avenue, and this really happened, and I parked my Jeep when I back, in, back when I had my Jeep, and I saw an elderly lady who was left-handed. I watched her back into my Jeep, not once, but she backed into it. She pulled up, not twice. She pulled up, backed into it, not three times. And on her fourth time, I walked around because I'm standing here the entire time. And I start banging on her window. And she looks at me, don't even roll down the window, puts that big old boat that she's driving in drive and just pulls on out. She didn't hurt my Jeep. I had a custom front bumper on it. She, she could have landed a UFO on it, wouldn't have hurt it. But her taillights hanging off, she's dented all the side of her car, and she could not care. Now, what if I was to tell you all elderly left-handed women can't drive? Well, I saw one. I saw one who obviously had no business with a driver's license. That was an experience. But having an experience does not make it a truth. Ladies, you ever got a bad haircut, bad hairdo, a bad perm, a bad color job? Did you decide right then and there, that all hairdressers don't know what they're doing? No. You did not turn an experience into a truth, did you? No. You had one bad experience. You did not discount all barbers and hairdressers because you had one experience. But you know how many people do that with church? All church people are hypocrites. No. No, 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 no. Susie was a hypocrite. All the rest of the folks at the church was lovely. You just want to hear something that will justify you staying out of church. So you have lied to yourself. All men are dogs. No. Timmy, who you met at a bar and didn't have a job when you met him. He's a dog. If you're fishing in a pond and ain't got nothing but suckers and barracudas, don't get mad when that's what you catch and bring home. You need to change where you're fishing, lady. Okay. Yeah. So some of you have had one bad experience with failure. You prayed and nothing happened. You came to the altar and didn't get free. You tried quoting Scripture and it didn't work. And you turned that one bad event into an identity, into a truth. You said, instead of I failed, you turned it into an identity and said, I'm a failure. You see how the lie begins? You took, we, we've all failed. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we've all failed and come short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. But none of us have to be failed. And if you've convinced yourself you are one, it's because you've took an experience, a failure, and turned it into an identity, a truth. And it doesn't have to be that way. Today, those lies need to stop. Because this is the year of advance. 
And if you're going to advance, you're going to have to leave some of the identity problems that you've had in your past. Because you need to allow your identity to be shaped by who He says you are, not by your failed experiences. Yes, you need to change how you see yourself. And Jesus drops that famous line. He says, the truth will set you free. He was not preaching in prison. He wasn't talking to prostitutes and he was not trying to convince pagans. He was talking to Christians, people who believed him. And he's telling them that they don't have the truth because they haven't held on to the truth. They only have a certain level of belief. There is a big difference between belief and truth. There's a big difference between what you believe What you believe is based on your experiences. What is true comes from God. What's the difference, Pastor? I'll tell you. Truth is always going to be truth. It was true 6,000 years ago. It's true today. And if the earth remains, it'll be true 6,000 years from now. However, your beliefs can be altered. Beliefs can grow and expand. And they should. Let's talk about this. Because I don't know how you was raised. Don't get all churchy on me. But some of y'all sitting in this room, there was a time in your life where you believed on the 24th of December some fat man in a red suit squeezed himself down your chimney and gave you present. And you believed it. You sat on his lap and told him what to bring. You wrote him letters and set out milk and cookies because you wanted him to bring you what was on your list. You believed. You had the heart of a child and you believed. I hope I didn't just ruin Christmas for somebody in this room. But your beliefs have changed. I think. I assume. Over time, your beliefs have changed. It made perfect sense to you. When you believed it. And some of you have sat in church for years under a delusion. And it makes perfect sense to you because you feel like a flop. Like a failure. Like an outcast. Like God's least likely to be healed. To be saved. To be prospered. You feel like what you identify as. But the people he was talking to were people like you and me who believed in him. But he was telling them it's possible for you to believe and still not be free. I hope you get this. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. And then you will know. Then you will know the truth. And then the truth will make you free. He said, you have to hold on to it before you can know it. You can't just hear it you got to hold on. That means the word that I preach won't set you free. It's the word I preach that you hold on to that will set you free. That's the difference. And here's where I want to build the rest of my sermon. He told them, you are so addicted to the lies, you don't want to hold on to the truth. Addicted to lies. Believers addicted to lies. Christians Addicted to life. Singers, preachers, pastors, pastors, wives, and addicted to lies. Did you hear Jesus? He said, this is of your father, the devil, who is speaking through you. People are too coddled today 
in the church to hold to the truth. Can I help you and not hurt you? People in the seeker-friendly movement in the church today wants to bring folks to church with all kinds of mess and have the church acquiesce to the mess. Because we want to say, well, God is love. And they, they, they don't want to correct nobody because they don't want to hurt nobody. But can I tell you the truth? I would rather you offend me than let me slip into a devil's hell. I would rather you tell me the truth and take the chance of offending me than have me miss heaven when I die. So, so they want us to come along everybody uh, beside everybody and say, that's okay. Every time they mess up, say, that's okay. Every time they mess up, say, God will forgive you. Every time they mess up, say, God's got grace. And all of that is true. But could we for a minute disciple them so they quit messing up so much? Could we tell them that stove's hot? Don't touch it. Because if you quit messing up, you might grow into a truth that you hold on to and be delivered forever instead of every Sunday having to recommit yourself. So what are we going to do? How, 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 many, how many need to be set free from, an, identify, uh, from a, an identifiable specific area of your life? Let me, let me see your hands. Don't be, okay, see? Everybody ain't bashful. I don't know what you need freedom from, but God does. The Holy Spirit does. And really, deep down, you do too. You know exactly what it is. You know what that compulsion is. You know what that obsession is. You know what that addiction is. You know what torments you when the lights are off. And you're not sitting in this church on Sunday. Now the scriptures say you will be set free by the truth. But that does not mean that Jesus automatically sets you free because you believe in him. Jesus sets you free if you hold to his teaching. Let me, let me show you what I mean. If the truth will set you free, that means a lie can keep you bound. But only if the liar gets you to believe that the lie is truth. So, so if the truth can set me free, that means I can live a Christian existence for 50 years bound by a lie. I can go to the altar and pray for healing and not get healed. Over and over and over again. I can bring my addiction to the altar and not get loose over and over and over again. I can bring my lifestyle up over and over. I can bring my hateful self up and my bad cursing mouth and over and over and over. And I can bring it to the altar. And I can pack it up. And I can take it back home with me. And never change. Because the problem is you're confused by what is true. Because the devil lied to you so good. The devil's crafty. Jesus said the problem is, is that your desires have been informed by a liar instead of by the truth. And he said God has put some good stuff in you. He's put some healing in you. He's put some prosperity in you. He's put some anointing in you. But the lies you believe are keeping yourself from ever pulling it out. Because the lies can become a limitation. They said, Abraham was our father. They said, Abraham was our father. We are Abraham's seed. Jesus said, you don't act like it. You ever met somebody and you just look at them and say, who raised you? Is it just me? Like, like, like you see how they're living and what they're doing and you'd be like, 
you did not come up in my mama's house talking to her like that. Like, that's what Jesus just did. That's, he dropped that on. He's, he's, they said, we're Abraham's seed. He said, you don't act like it. He said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. Pay attention. I'm going to set you free. He said, if you were, you would do. If you were Abraham's seed, you would do what Abraham did. If you were identity, then you would do behavior. Identity drives behavior. That's why some of you have lived bound for so long because you don't believe who your father says you are. You have listened to the lies of the enemy and he has convinced you you're sick, you always been sick, always will be sick. You're broke, always been broke. Your mammy was broke. Your grandpappy was broke. Everybody in your family's broke. You're going to get divorced because your parents was divorced and your great-grandparents was divorced and nobody in your family stays married. And over and over and over again, you have believed the lies and rebuked the truth all the time, raising your hands, crying tears in worship and loving Jesus. Oh, it's quiet in here. If you don't know your identity, you won't hold to the truth. And that's where you've been, where you've been. It's time to change. It's time for you to quit listening to the lies of the enemy. But every time you get ready to change, you face two lies. You ready for this? I don't have them on the wall. I'm just going to give them to you. Every time you get ready to change, every time the preaching's good, you get ready to change, there's two lies you face. First lie is you can't. You can't change. It's always, you've always been like this. You always, that's the first lie. And the second lie is you don't need to. The enemy is, I'm telling you, he knows how to tell a whopper. He knows how to tell a good lie. But the Lord is calling us to freedom. That's what Jesus was telling him. He was saying, you can be free, but you've got to rebuke the lies. The devil's held you long enough because, listen, a sermon cannot set you free. Decisions do. So, so how do you tell a good lie? You, you approach it with the idea that the person that's listening, whether it's you or somebody else, would rather feel good about who they are right now than be challenged to change. And, and when you know that people want to believe what they want, what they're into, what they're doing is good, then it's easy to get them deceived because their desire is to be affirmed so they don't have to conform. That's why I quit arguing with people years ago about tithing. If you don't want to do it, that's between you and God, not you and the preacher. I will not argue with anybody who don't want to be blessed. I just won't do it. Live however you want to live, but you, you would rather be affirmed or confronted than conformed. And I won't do it. I, I'm not going to do it. The really condemning truth about all of this is that when you realize how many people who say they are believers are better at believing lies than they are the truth. And that's why Paul says you've got to get rooted. He says, get yourself rooted in Jesus. Well, rooted in what? What's the opposite of a lie? Uh, we already said this last week. What's the opposite of a lie? The truth. Isaiah said, woe to anyone calling evil good. So the opposite of evil is... So the opposite of a lie is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan. Now I want you to, I want you to pay attention. He's talking about in the last days, he's describing somebody called the Antichrist. We ain't there yet. 
Quit labeling everybody that's a Democrat. Stop doing that. This man will come to do the work of state. Because I could very easily, you know, put your last three relationships right there. This man has come to do the work of Satan. <laughs> Almost worked. <laughs> you got rid of him. Held on to Jesus. Praise the Lord. He's talking about the last days. And he sa- look what he says that the Antichrist is going to do. Counterfeit power and signs and miracles. In other words, Revelation teaches us this. Satan will empower the Antichrist to do fake counterfeit signs and wonders. Why do you think lies is Satan's method to fool even the church in those days. Because that's who he is. He's a liar. But he also knows this. Even Christians love a good lie. They love signs and wonders so much they don't even care if it's true. They just want to follow the glory cloud from conference to conference, from seminar to seminar. It don't matter if it's real or not. And how do I know that? Because verse 10 says, He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Where are they going? On their way to destruction. Why? Why would they be destroyed? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. King James uses that phrase, strong delusion. And they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Enjoying evil. We take pleasure in unrighteousness the Bible says sin is fun for a little while and and Christian please don't think that you're above enjoying a little reckless behavior This this is who Paul is warning us about, he's warning Christians about the power of lies, about the power of the enemy's deception, so the opposite of a lie is what? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. This is, this is how we fight. This is how we combat. For though we walk in the flesh, yes, you walk in the flesh, you walk in this meat suit. Yeah, one day you'll shed it, but right now this is the best we can do. You'll get an upgraded model. Your lease will run out on this one. And it's good because some of y'all put more miles on this one than you should have. Okay. The fact that some of y'all's battery is still running and wheels haven't fell off is a miracle you need to praise Jesus for. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So you're in the flesh. We walk in the flesh because we're trapped in the flesh. But we don't fight like humans. Because our war is not in the flesh. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Now look, 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 your weapons have three assignments. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, when the enemy seduces you with a lie, where does the enemy lie to you? He don't lie to you uh, at the tattoo parlor, and he don't have you put no regerts on you. I hear people say the craziest thing. The devil is a liar because they ran out of gas. The devil might be a liar, but you are still out of gas, my friend, and you better find somebody to get you a can into the station. 
We say the craziest things. Like, like they say that your kid is failing geometry. The devil is a lie. Yeah, but your kid can't do math. Like, get a tutor. You can't just rebuke everything by saying the devil is a lie. You tell them the truth, but that ain't going to help your situation. Listen to what it says here. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, when the enemy seduces you with a lie, that's where he does it, in your mind. And his goal is to get you away from your faith in Christ because why? Your flesh desires unholy things. Your flesh wants to do those things, so he lies to you and confirms what you already want to be true. Oh, you can do that. Come on, Eve. Why would you not be able to eat from that one tree? Some of y'all been eating from that tree since I've known you. You've gotten saved 472 times. I'm glad you're still in there swinging, but would you just leave the tree alone? Could I talk to you? Would you do a pastor a solid and just leave the tree alone? We got some men in here that knows how to lay brick. We're going to lay a 15-foot high wall all the way around that tree. If you'll just let it be, we will get that temptation out of your life. When the flesh desires things that are unholy and dark and wrong, the lie is designed to make you believe that those things are okay. That dark things are light, unholy things are holy, and bad things are good. Look what it says. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Casting down arguments. Casting down arguments. Inside your head there are these arguments. Why? Because you are constantly being lied to. And these lies contradict what you believe about God. That's what Paul said in Colossians. The word says you are healed. Got one amen. Woman's got my last name. Made three kids with her. She's the only one amen. The word says you're healed. But there's this argument goes because it still hurts, because the scan still says there's an argument that goes on inside. There's this argument that's had that the word says that you are the head, not the tail. But I know, I know ever since you got laid off, you have felt like the proverbial and literal tail. But the word says, the truth is, but there's this argument. Because your experience is you're driving around wondering how far past E that I can keep driving because I don't have no money to get to the my experience. But you should not define your life by your experience, but rather define it by the truth. You have believed a, a You've been told a good lie. How do you fight against them? Well, I'm, I'm going to give you this real quickly. There are three actions you have to perform. Listen to what he said. Pull down, cast down, and bring into captivity. Those are the three things you have to do. But these three things are your responsibility, not mine. Not the Holy Ghost. Not Jesus Christ's. They're your responsibility. Paul said you are in this war. This war is one you have to fight. And if you refuse to bring the wrong thoughts into captivities, listen to what he said, the lies will capture you. In other words, if you don't fight the lie because you want the lie to be true or because your experience says the lie is true, instead of you bringing down the lie, you become the prisoner. And I believe that's where a lot of people are today. Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching for you. I'm preaching with you. I've experienced this. You know what Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says? God is creating his masterpiece. And he gets his image in his mind of what he wants to do. And he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 
Do you know that God's initial plan for mankind was revealed in this one part of one scripture? And the enemy hates what the Lord did. And he's always trying to counterfeit everything that the Lord creates. Yes? He tries to undo whatever God is doing. So when the Lord says, I'm going to make man in my image, the devil says, watch this. The Bible keeps calling us back to things like sanctification and godliness and holiness. And the devil says, that makes them look too much like God. Watch this. So he tells you a lie. So you won't be whole. You won't be healed. You won't be prosperous. You won't be holy. And if your body and your likeness was created to resemble God... Why do you think Paul constantly tells us that we have to renew? My, my body looks like God. God's got fingers. I got fingers. He's got a nose. I got a nose. He's got a couple of ears. I got a couple of ears. My body looks like God, but there's one part of me that just don't want to act like God. Paul never said, once you get saved, make sure your toes look like God. Right? Because that's ludicrous, right? You were created in the image and likeness of God. This, this is how God made me. This is who he is. It's who I am. But Paul said, there's one part of you that you can change, and it's not like God. And that's the part the devil likes to lie to. So the mind is the battleground where the enemy sows his seeds to produce a harvest of destruction in the ground that God created. Yeah, I had to walk because that's a mouthful. The mind is the battleground where the enemy sows his seeds to produce a harvest of destruction in the ground. God said, I'm going to make you in my image and likeness. And the devil says, watch this. And he attacks your mind because he knows your, wherever your mind goes, the rest of you will follow. As a man thinks in his heart, well, I've just been sick for so long. I've just been broke for so long. I've, I've fought this Sin for so long, I've, I guess I'll just always be addicted. Yeah, you will. Until you change your mind. Until you decide to think of yourself the way God thinks of you, you will. You'll stay trapped. You can love Jesus and stay trapped. You can stay, you can stay in a burden and love the Lord with all your heart. Because He's planted a harvest of destruction in the soil that God created. And I've got a four-step plan. I'm going to show you real quick before we take communion how a lie grows in that soil. God created the soil. It's supposed to look like him. The devil comes along and plants his seeds of lies. And how do they garden? Devil, devil, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Well, it's not cockle shells. Here's what it is. First, you hear the lie. Next, you repeat the lie, which causes you to Believe the lie, which then makes you become the lie. Some of you he's lied to since you were wee little. Your parents got divorced. You blamed yourself. Where do you think that thought came from? Where, where do you think a five-year-old gets the idea, I'm the reason mommy and daddy don't love each other? A five-year-old don't come up with that. It's a lie. And a five-year-old that buys into that lie will have a hard time with relationships 50 years later. 
Because they become the lie. So this morning during communion, we're going to do one specific thing. You've got to fight for your own mind. That's what we're going to do in this communion service time this morning. You've got to fight the beliefs that you have developed based on the lies that you have been told. I shared with you last week how a third grade teacher changed my life for a long time. Called me a liar to my face in front of an entire classroom full of kids and I believed that I was a liar and I lived that existence. That became my identity for years. And I had no idea why I was so hostile toward the whole thing. Till years later, God revealed to me what had happened. And some of you, you've been operating under a delusion. You love Jesus, but your mind's not free. You think, well, he just don't love me. He's never going to love me. She's just never going to treat me right. She's never going to be the way I want her to be. And you're just going to live your marriage existence because Jesus don't like divorce. Neither should you. Why don't you choose happy? Why don't you choose deliverance? Because right where you are, I told you last week, if your circumstances have to change for you to find joy, you will never be in joy. Because joy has to come from within you. So you're going to have to, when we get ready to take communion here in a moment, pull down. Cast down. Bring every thought into captivity that's trying to exalt itself above God. That's what you're going to do during this communion service. Yeah, I, I gave you homework last week. Some of you messaged me. Some of you put it on Facebook. I was proud of you. Hey, Cindy got an A plus because she was the first one to turn in the assignment. I gave you an assignment last week, some homework. I said, go home and find a truth that counteracts the lie that you have believed. This is where I check your homework. This week I check to see if you completed your homework because you're going to need that truth as we get ready to take communion this morning. To combat the lie that has been so embedded in you for so long. It's cost you years of health. It's cost you years of happiness. My God, are you ready to let go of it? I mean, are you ready to just be free? He said, you know the truth, but that don't help you. You've got to hold to my truth. Then it can make you free. So many of us go around quoting scriptures we don't even believe. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. Ain't done it. You are complaining night and day. The Bible says bitter and sweet water can't come out of the same well. You can't praise him out of one side of your mouth, complain about everything under the sun out of the other side. It's not the way this works. You've believed a lie. You're quoting scripture, but you're not holding to truth. I don't have any more time to preach. We're going to sing this song again, and I want you again, as, we, as they get ready to pass up the elements, we're going to be singing this song, and I want you to pay attention to the words because the work was finished. You're not finishing anything here today. You're accepting what was already done. And you're, you're, you're just coming into agreement with what he already spoke over your life. That's all you're doing. You're not having to, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in Who? Yeah, it's not mighty in your pocket. It's not mighty in the trunk of your car. I used to keep some weapons in the trunk of my car. Don't try me. You might find out I still carry some. But they're not mighty through you. They're mighty through God. He's already completed the work. He just needs you to believe it. 
I can, I can be saved and happy. I can be saved and satisfied. I don't have to be discouraged and disgruntled and upset over everything. I can be saved and healed. I can be saved and delivered. I can be saved and prosperous. I don't have to stay in this cycle that I've been on all my life. That devil is a lie. Let me help you. That devil is a lie. You can be free. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to ask if you would to stand. And you're going to use the truth... I hope you did your homework because you're going to need some truth. And if, the, and if you didn't do your homework and you don't have your truth, you're going to, you're, we're going to sing some truth. And you're going to take that truth and combat the lies that has been planted there for too long. Say, Pastor, I've lived like this for, it don't matter. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So we're, we're making new minds today. Are you ready? If you've, if you've lived without a conscience, your conscience needs to come alive. You need to get saved this morning, especially before you take communion. You need to invite Jesus in. You, you need to get right with your maker before you take communion because if, if you haven't received Jesus, you've got a whole lot worse issues than just your mind. You, your spirit, man, needs to come into alignment with your creator. But the rest of you that believe you're saved, I want to believe that with you too. But Jesus said, if you are, you'd act like it. He, remember, he said, your identity would make your habits and your character. It, it, if, if you are Abraham's seed, you'd act like it. If you are friends with Jesus, you'll act like it. If you are a child of God, you'll live like it. Does anybody want that this morning? Has anybody got anything out of this message this morning? I, I pray we did. I'm ready. We're going we're gonna to sing, and they're going to be passing out the elements. Remember, if you're gluten intolerant, we've got some of that for you, too. <laughs>